The headlines remind us daily, the world is a dangerous place. The elites in charge say everything's fine, stop noticing, but you know better. And your gut knows that time is short to prepare for a world that is four missed meals away from chaos. My Patriot Supply has helped over three million families become more self-reliant and is the company Americans trust to prepare. Go to MyPatriotSupply.com and secure their best-selling three-month emergency food kits. Each contain delicious breakfasts, lunches, and dinners, averaging over 2,000 calories per day. Secure at least one food kit for each family member. For a limited time, save $200, plus get free shipping on all their Ready Hour three-month emergency food kits. You're not ready if it's not Ready Hour Foods. My Patriot Supply also has solar power generators, water filtration units, biomass stoves, heirloom seeds, and critical survival gear. Shop MyPatriotSupply.com today. MyPatriotSupply.com You have these rappers, (laughs) these comedians, these straight black men who are highly uncomfortable with the sex scenes between you your character, Uncle Clifford, and Little Murder. And they say things like, well, y'all should have gave us a warning if that was going to come on the screen. Um, We feel uncomfortable watching that without a heads up. How do you feel about that when you know it's coming from our community? To that, I say, congratulations, because that is what art is supposed to do. Art is supposed to create conversation. Art is supposed to stir up the pot. It is supposed to be reflective. Stay tuned. We'll get to my conversation with Nico Anand right after these quick ads. Welcome to Reality with the King. It's me, Carlos King, the king of reality TV and one of the most sought after executive producers in reality television with over 10 years of production experience. Twice a week on Reality with the King, we'll sit down with my friends across the entertainment industry, recap our favorite reality shows, and revisit unforgettable moments that we are still talking and tweeting about. Hey, Raindrops. So usually I talk to your favorite reality stars, or people from the unscripted world, like Megan McCain, who's a talk show host from The View, right? But today, we have an exclusive interview with one of my favorite actors on television, who also stars on one of my favorite scripted shows, baby. I'm talking about Nico Annan, who plays Uncle Clifford on Stars' is P Valley. Nico and I both talk about what it's like to be gay Black men born and raised in Detroit, Michigan, and how our upbringing changed our adult life. In addition to that, we get into representation of openly gay men and women on television. We talk about how these rappers and comedians who are heterosexual men have an issue with seeing two actors have a love scene on the show. This one is so good. It's a bonus episode. I cannot wait for you guys to hear it. Just in time for tonight's season two finale of P-Valley. Without further ado, here is my conversation with Nico 
Anen. Down in the valley where the girls get naked. If you're throwing bands, then you know they're going to shake it. Hey, hey! What's up, Carlos? (laughs) And you have a voice. We have so much to unpack here. So I want to get started by giving you your flowers. I am a Detroit native, born and raised. What up, though? What up, (laughs) up, though? What up, though? 313. I was born on the east side of Detroit. What about you? We we still love you. <laughs> I was I was born over on jo- off Joy Road and Clarendon. Oh, yeah, that that's where I uh, had like first through, uh, you know birth through third grade, and then I moved. Uh, we moved over to Rosedale Park. Over on the west side, so six miles on Southfield Freeway. Yes, yes, yes. I just love it, and you do a good job at repping the D. I'm an openly gay black man, born and raised in Detroit, Michigan, moved to Atlanta, Hollywood to make it big in the reality TV world. And when I look at you, Nico, you remind me of somebody that little gay black boys from Detroit, like me when I was a kid, could watch this show and look up to them because there was no representation of that when I was growing up. And I get that a lot from, you know, my community. And I'm sure you get that a lot too. So what does it mean that you are breaking down, you know, walls in this industry in terms of being this phenomenal actor, but also just this phenomenal human being? Thank you. Uh, Come on now. What does it mean? Uh, It means I'm doing my job. It means that I am present and not my job as working over for the network over at Stars. I'm talking about being my job as a human being. I never like aspired to be in everybody's house. (laughs) You know what I'm saying? I like, I was like, I'm not trying to be that much of a hoe. You know, uh, (laughs) I feel like for me, I really, for real, I really just was trying to be the best that I could be. You know, um, and I think through that process that this has happened, I just wanted to tell stories. I just wanted to be an artist. You know, at first it was just, I want to dance. And then that dance grew into storytelling in a different kind of way. And I say to the boys and the girls and the thems that are of younger generations, sometimes the opposition is the very thing that shapes you into being the tool to be able to be used. There were so many times that people told me that I was not enough of this or too much of that. Whether that was my size, whether that was my color, whether that was physical attributes, or whether that was my personality. And throughout it all, like God has just made a way for me to be used in a way that I didn't necessarily see coming. And I would also say to them, don't be discouraged by the slow burn. The slow burn of your career, of your love, of your life, your aspirations, whatever that is. I'm speaking generally, but the slow burn, because the slow burn of this moment for me is indeed a part of the secret sauce that makes it so palpable for most people. It is what makes me be able to digest this moment. So when you say like, how do you feel and all this stuff, I do not feel any different than I did when we were doing the workshop plays of P-Valley or Pussy Valley at the time. 
in 2009, when we were going to the Lark Theater, when we were going to the Hip Hop Theater Festival, when we were going to the Apollo, when we were going to uh, Martha's Vineyard and the other, um, like, different places where Katori workshopped the place or in D.C., you know, I... This has allowed me to do that. You are inspiring the people and you're also inspiring me because what you're saying is so true. We're both openly gay black men from Detroit, Michigan. We know that in Detroit at the times we were growing up, there wasn't much happening in the city. So the fact that I tell people my story of being 25 years old, you know, I was an intern at BET at 25. Whereas most people will say, child, if I'm not a millionaire by that age, I'm going to give up, right. you know, my trajectory. And here I am at 42 years old, living my best life. But I did that because of the trajectory that was meant for me. You. And if I correct. would have given up early, I would not be talking to one of the greatest actors of all time. So being somebody in this business, were you always Nico? Were there ever times you put aside your sexuality to focus on the work? Or were you always somebody that felt comfortable being openly gay when you got your start in Hollywood? So the answer to that question, I think, goes back to me a little bit more into my training. So in high school, so I went to Cast Tech. Oh, you're smart. <laughs> Just so my listeners know, Cast Tech is one of the accredited high schools in Detroit. And here's some tea for y'all. I took the test to go to Cast Tech and I failed. It's all right. It's all right. <laughs> how, many, how many times did you take the test? Once. Why you ain't go back? I was embarrassed. <laughs> See, see, that's when you needed an Uncle Clifford rule to tell you sometimes you yes. got to turn the window to the door. Don't just take one exit or one reason as your only yes or no. There's always, always, always another way. When people be like, oh, my God, you know, Uncle Clifford needs to just give up the club. And I'm like, listen, there is where there is a will. My God, there is a way. Amen. So turn that door to a window. Where did you go? You gonna have me embarrass myself some more, Nico? So you look, you went to serve any? Don't do me. I it's worse <laughs> probably. <laughs> Where'd you go, child? I went to Finney High School. Don't play my my cousin Tania. God rest her soul. She went to Finney. Don't play. And my mama went to Kettering. Okay. See, see, you 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 got the uh the, the respectability <laughs> politics going on in your head. You need to let that go. <laughs> you need to let that go. See, you are one of the people that I be talking about online. Well, uh, well why they got to sound like this? Because this, this is how we talk. Because this is who we are. This is who we are. So we're not going to be ashamed of that. We're going to embrace that and show the royalty that we all are. So Absolutely. anyway. I was just ashamed that the school is now burned down to the ground and Finney no longer exists. But I'm with you, Miko. Okay. Come on. It's called a phoenix. But we're going to move <laughs> on because I'm not going to give you. Paris <laughs> is burning. Go ahead. There you go. Okay. So uh, back when I was in high school, I was um, my, my drama teacher, Marilyn McCormick. Most people who went to CAS and had some experience in the arts know this woman. She is a pillar in the community. She told me we were doing an improv sketch show um, and I was in the PA Guild and it's kind of like Saturday Night Live or Mad TV. Um, and so there was one day we were performing a show. It was probably like maybe fourth or fifth period. You know, I'm really going back into high school. right? And there was, we were doing this comedy sketch and I was on stage, but I couldn't, I couldn't get my, my lines out because there was some heckling coming from the audience with someone like the football players or the jocks, you know, just the hyper-masculinity that was there. I've, I've always been Nico, to answer your question, yes. I've always been Nico. 
I've never been taught to be ashamed of who I am and what God made me to be. So when this heckling was coming back at me, I was waiting for one of the teachers that are in the audience, you know, to kind of calm the kids down, you know, like get them to hush up. And I went to, we had two shows that day. And in between the shows, I went to Miss McCormick and I told her, I was like, MC, you know, you got to get these kids, you know, you got to get them together, you know, make them, you know, like quiet down. She said, that's not my job, Nico. That's your job. You're on stage. You control the audience. So when you ask me that question, has Nico always been Nico? There has been, from that moment, there was something that changed in me that allowed me as a performer to know this is how you can take up space. When people say that you are too big, you're too loud, you're too jazzy, you're too much pizzazz, whatever that is, how is it that you can then use that and be present and use that as your superpower, as one of my friends, Delon Burnside, says in his new song, Superpowers? So for me, that was about just being present. You take that principle in and of itself and you match that to what acting is intended to be, and that is being. Child, we are not done yet. Stay tuned for more of my conversation with Nico. We'll be right back after this quick break. This is Reality with the King, and I'm Carlos King. Let's get back into this insightful conversation with Nico. We have to get into your character, Uncle Clifford. We have some iconic characters in drama series from Olivia Pope in Scandal, Annalise Keating from How to Get Away with Murder, and now Uncle Clifford from P-Valley. Talk to us about who did you research in order to take on the essence of this role because when I watch it, I literally cannot see anyone else playing that role but you. And when people say certain roles are meant for that person, although, you know, a lot of actors audition for that role, yeah. I feel like that role was created for you. So what was that process like you auditioning and then getting the role? Well, the first part of your question of who did I research and stuff like that, I didn't research anybody. I absolutely did not. I allowed myself to dream. I asked Tori where, when I first read um, the first sides, the sides are a part of the script. Uh, I've told the story, you know, this, this process all started with five pages. She, it was five pages, two scenes. Uncle Clifford was only in two of those pages. The other three was Mississippi, Mercedes, and somebody else. I don't even remember. Uh, I don't, it, it, whatever. It was another character. Um, and it just grew from there. That was She just wanted to hear how it sounded out loud. Um, it was a salon series, essentially, that happened that she was having at her house. She was a, a writer in, in residence over at the Lark Theater Company in New York. Back in 2009, they commissioned this stuff, and she, as the writer, was, like, going through it. So I asked her, I said, oh, my gosh, what is the story behind this? Like, what, why are you creating this character? Because the description is what caught my attention. Eyelashes dancing like butterfly wings um, and nails like eagle talons, like claws. Emerging from the shadows, Uncle Clifford. She is equally masculine and feminine. So when I read that description, I was like, oh, this just don't say drag. This doesn't just say flamboyant. This just doesn't say gay. So I knew that there was something special and tangible here. The two um, references to those animals of the butterfly 
and the eagle, they studying them, what eagles and butterflies do, has been a part of the work. And uh, the reference to the Yoruba deity, Olakun, I think a lot of times I, in, in my discovery and journey in playing Uncle Clifford, a lot of people try to put on what they think or what they may know of the community and the, and, and the hate and, you know, all of that weight that can come with it, the discrimination. I am blessed and in the space of being able to know my roots, you know, and I don't even know them as well as I feel I should, you know, to be fully transparent. My dad is from Ghana. My mom is here. Uh, I went to Ghana for the first time when I was 10. So my mind was opened. Um, so when I thought, when I was in my research as an adult getting this character, I'm just looking at all the different things. What, what are pieces that can come to me? One of the pieces that came to me was the, the African ancestry that the show has always had. And I knew it was laced in there. Katori never said to me anything about, you know, this specific deity. I discovered it because on the page, and just to give you guys a little context on the page, it will say for like, for example, Miss Mississippi, she moves like Oshun and her waves are da da da. And if you don't know, Oshun is the, the goddess of water or the deity that embraces water. And that's why Mississippi, the river, Mississippi, her name, the way she moves, the way mm. she dances is very, it's very fluid, much different than a roulette, a whisper, a gidget, a Mercedes. Each of the girls have a different dance style. So when I started to think about Uncle Clifford, I found about and read about this uh, Yoruba deity, Olakun. Olakun, being back in our African ancestry, was always identified in both masculine and feminine measure. Sometimes there would be hair, face, gold jewelry. Sometimes there would be just a masculine face and body. Um, but they, it was said that when you embrace both of those equally, you can be too powerful. So they locked Olakun up in a chest, chained around the chest, and buried Olakun at the bottom of the ocean because the pressure of the ocean was the only thing that could suppress that. That imagery and that story resonated for me for a level of res uh, resilience, a level of strength that I felt that a person could have when you do not allow society to say you are too masculine, too feminine, blah, 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 blah. That's a real in-depth version of why. But then doing the production and the play, that is the stuff that taught me being in the world um, the director, Nataki Garrett, for the play, uh, the fully produced play was done in 2013, 15, one of those, um, at Mixed Blood Theater. And she had said to me one day, she was like, okay, so Nico, it's time to go. We're going to go um, and get your nails done and send you to the barbershop so you can shave. And I was like, shave what? And she was like, your beard. I was like, I'm not shaving my beard. Why did I shave my beard? Oh, you know, you know, for the role, you know, we need to start, you know, to do dress rehearsals and things like that. And I was like, no, she has her beard. <laughs> and there was a story behind that that's connected. You know, I won't even go too deep, um, but a story connected to the you, you've seen a taste of it. If you paid attention, episode one, season one um, of why her beard is the way that it is. And then they wanted me to get nails and to get uh, nails acrylics truly glued on and everything. 
Um, that was an issue for me because I was in St. Paul, Minnesota. I'm in a different neighborhood. I'm in a different city. I don't know this place. Um, I don't know the dangers, the pitfalls, where's the bad neighborhoods. And it really brought on to me the reality of the weight that non-binary people and uh, have to walk around in this world with. So I took, again, that's an example for all the listeners. That's an example of when I talk about the adversity shaping me. So yes, they want me to do this one thing. And I'm like, no, I don't want to do that. But in that space, I was able to see and imagine what it could be like. Oh, if I take the subway back to the place, my Airbnb, where they got me staying, oh, I may really have to go to Detroit and like, you know, fuck somebody up. <laughs> oh, I'm going to be fighting with you. Do you know what I'm, I'm going to be yeah. fighting with nails? I bet you Clifford has had to go through that. I bet you, oh, so that is a part, again, connect that to why I'm going to keep my beard. This is not, the pink is not a, a drag club. The pink is not um, Langston's in New York. It's not like your, your, your open gay party like that, you know, and we're down south. The pink is a castle that Uncle Clifford has been able to create to have her identity. Do you understand what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. That it is a place where people can be who they want to be, whether that is Corbin or whether that is Miss Mississippi. The thing about the show is it's rooted in reality based on Uncle Clipper's world in Mississippi. And what's funny is mm -hmm. I created a reality show called Bell Collective. And Bell Collective is based in Jackson, Mississippi. And what's funny is Patrick Ian Polk is one of my mentors and, and friend. And he said to me, bitch, you know we watch Bell Collective to get the accent and the vocabulary and the language right, so that when we write these words for the characters, it's rooted in real Mississippi. Mm -hmm. And yeah. that's the beauty and authenticity of the show, of you being a great actor, and just the believable nature that you guys bring onto the screen. So much so, you have these rappers, <laughs> these comedians, <laughs> these straight <laughs> Black men who are highly uncomfortable with the sex scenes between you, your character, Uncle Clifford, and Little Murder. And they say things like, well, y'all should have gave us a warning if that was going to come on the screen. Um, we feel uncomfortable watching that without a heads up. How do you feel about that when you know it's coming from our community, especially people in the entertainment industry who you would think would know this is a role that you guys are playing? It doesn't surprise me. It doesn't surprise me because that is a part of what human natures we do. You know, when you get uncomfortable with something, you either try to make fun of it or you talk about it. Um, it ruffles your feathers. To that, I say congratulations, because that is what art is supposed to do. Art is supposed to create conversation. Art is supposed to stir up the pot. It is supposed to be reflective. I think sometimes people can be shaken up, let's just say, because we are really striving to be real, like real on, on the screen and in the moment. We decided when we did the pilot presentation for this, all right, we doing it. We literally, it was Alphonse, J. Alphonse Nicholson, Brandy Evans, Shannon Thornton, Ellerica, myself, we were all in the, the set of the pink. And we were like, okay, we were all in character. We were dressed. And we were like, y'all, we, we up here in our floss. All right. 
We have naked. Let's tell these stories. What better place to get naked? When we say down in the valley where the girls get naked, it's not about clothes. We talking about heart. We talking about mind so that you can truly see who these people are. And I think that a lot of the community, uh, whether that's the, the people who are represented in their show, I think sometimes you haven't seen such audacious boldness. There are, there's lots of great black shows out there or shows that deal with our stories. I salute them. I support them. I think it's, it's been a challenge to be able to be so authentic where I say at the repast, oh, you know, I need something for the chitlins that I'm going to get. And they come and it's a nice, fresh Ziploc, uh, the, the little containers that you get from the supermarket, you know, that you can get with the blue lid or the green lid or whatever. And I was like, oh, no, 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 no. I need like a, a spaghetti used <laughs> Tupperware bar and I need a piece of foil. Huh? No, this needs, that's what you're going to put the chitlins in. Or you're going to give me another red bucket, but that's not going to fit in this Birkin purse. You know what I'm saying? That's what I'm thinking about. I'm really thinking about, oh, if you ain't got no no baking sheet to, to bake your biscuits on, you take a piece of the foil when you first move into your apartment. Or, or if y'all ain't got it, you take the foil, you lay it out, you put <laughs> your biscuits on it. Or you, as a kid, you took the, the little... 99 cent biscuits and you was making donuts. You know what I'm saying? Because you couldn't go to the... Like, it's about the ingenuity to me. So it goes beyond just the sexuality. That's the part I feel that sometimes people have ignored or have chosen to ignore for so long. But I'm going to say to you, Carlos, also, as many people that there are that are ruffled by their feathers, I'm proud and I have to salute because I don't think we do this enough. The brothers and the sisters and the thems that are out there speaking and being vocal and advocating. When Deion Sanders was talking about, yo, I need to have Uncle Clifford come and do the kickoff. You know, when um, Snoop is sending me a message and he's advocating online about how much he loves the show. That doesn't mean that people are, quote unquote, connected to the, the community and, 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 or they in it. You know what I'm saying? We black. I don't give a fuck what we doing, who, how you identify, whatever. You see in this black skin first. That's what you see first. Before people see me, they oftentimes may be more intimidated because I'm 6'2", and I'm coming at you like strong shoulders, straight back, what's up? Do you understand what I mean? I'm not trying to intimidate you, but it's also not my fault when you find those same curves and that same Mustang a little sexy. That's not my fault. Talk to God. You should pray about that. <laughs> And I only got this way because of the time, bro, because of the time that I had to get to this moment. Do you understand what I'm saying? Because I thought about this the other day because I oftentimes have moments of just straight up gratitude randomly because I'm like, oh, my God, it's still happening because the benefit of this is that it happened during COVID. So for y'all, y'all people at the pink posse, which I just named one day out of my mouth online. I was just like, yo, y'all pink posse is crazy. <laughs> and that joke is caught on and everybody's hollering about the pink posse now. I'm here for it. But the fact that something from my mind or from my mouth can manifest and become something so tangible, you can't tell me shit. You can't tell Katori. You have to walk around with a certain knowledge because this came from her head. What made you think of Uncle Clifford? I just wanted to know, she said, I just wanted to know what it could be like if a person fully accepts themselves. And I just want to see what that could be like. All of their masculinity and all of their femininity. 
I'm interested in that. She always has her work from the beginning because I knew her first as the playwright before I even she, you know, I got word she wanted me to read for the thing because she didn't know who I was. I was referred through a friend, a friend that I went to cast tech with back in Detroit. Come on. I'm just saying it was literally because of these same people. That's why I, I hate when I meet people and they dismiss themselves. I don't care that if you ain't on no quote unquote network show, I don't care if you are on a network show. I meet Beyonce and I'll be like, Hey, I'm Nico. What's your name? Because she may want to tell me that her name is Tanisha that day. <laughs> she may have a real other, uh, a, a legal name that she would prefer people meet and go by. I'm meeting Janet Jackson. Hey, Janet. Hello, my name is Nico. How are you? And she's like, hey, I'm here for you. She said, I, I like you. Janet's a fan of the show and a fan of yours. Get out of my face. I almost want to push her shoulder, but you're not here in person. <laughs> <laughs> but how does that feel? Nico, Janet Demita Joe Jackson, the icon Ooh. for the community and the, and the world, how does that feel to know that Janet Jackson is sitting at home watching you on television and then to say to you, to your face, that she's a fan? Oh, uh, it feels good as shit. <laughs> <laughs> it, you know, like, you, on a deeper level, I, I mean, I don't even think about it, to be honest. You know, when you're, when you're performing, when, you, when I'm doing, when I'm performing, and when I'm on set, I'm not thinking about y'all. I am not thinking about nobody. I forgot that my mama had never even seen P Valley. And I was like, oh, wait, let me give you some pictures. Let me show you something before this come out in the world. <laughs> Do you understand what I mean? Because, bro, because my art means that much to me. It has, t- I have been through too much. I've, I've knocked down too many doors to let it just go f- willy-nilly and like let anybody's opinion or thought change me. If that were the case, if that was really my makeup, I wouldn't be here now. I couldn't be here. So many people will tell you all the time, you too that, you too that. There's a difference between taking critique and taking blows. You know what I'm saying? You know, you, I know how to swallow a brick. What that mean? You know, I take that L. Yup. I got to pull up. I got to do better. Boom. But guess what? You telling me that I'm too big for this or I got to close my gap or that I'm too dark for that, or, mm, okay, you'll see, you'll see. I had no idea, I had no idea. No, and you're living proof of that, and that's why you inspire me too, because I, I felt the same way growing up in this business where I'm a reality TV creator and executive, so there's so much shade when it comes to the genre of TV that I produce. I'm an openly gay black man. People talk about my voice, the way I talk, you know, I was a skinny kid in high school. My name is Carlos King. The football players used to call me Carlos Queen for obvious reasons. But I never allowed any of those things to take me away from achieving what I knew God put in my heart for me to attain. And when I look at you and I hear your story, you are such a big motivation for the world because you are proof that when you are authentically you and you have gratefulness in the spur of the moment, because that's that's nothing but God reminding you that I'm I'm with you. I come before you um, and allow along these green pastures, and I'm gonna hold your right hand, and you're gonna be victorious in this world. I just wanted you to know that you represent that to the world, and it's no mistake that two black 
gay boys from the D are able to live their best life because they're living it with authenticity. And to grow up in Detroit, as we did, it takes courage yeah. to do that. But we're living proof that when you, when you stay true to yourself, God can open up the floodgates of happiness that will blind your eyes. And when I look at you, I need shades, honey, because your future is so bright <laughs> that this is only the beginning. I thank you. I thank you. I thank you. I thank you. No, it, it's, it's a blessing. It's an honor. I'm here for the moment. I'm grateful, bro. I'm so grateful because I feel like we, whether you talk about reality TV or whether you talk about portraying a gay character, I used to think about Meshack Taylor in Holly, uh, as Hollywood and Mannequin. Yes. Right? Yeah. Um, and I thought about Flip Wilson. I thought about the character in a, a iconic and classic play called The Colored Museum by George C. Wolfe called Miss Raj. Um, I thought about all of these portrayals of queer life that I saw on screen specifically. And then I thought about the ones that I read in literature. And then I thought about the ones that were in on plays, you know, because back in Detroit, we all know about the Chitlin circuit, you know what I'm saying? And I just knew a lot of the whole Shelley Garrett, the beauty shop plays. And I always thought about like, even as a child, when I saw that flamboyant gay man, I didn't think that that was me. I didn't think that was me. Even though people said, oh, Nico, you're so loud. You're so this. Oh, you dance. Oh, you sing. Oh, you go ahead, tap. But I, in my mind, for whatever reason, it wasn't a conscious thing. It just was the way that I was wired. I never just saw that. So my training took me through a period where quote unquote, you have to learn how to play straight. Okay. Now for some people, that's a huge issue. That's a huge issue. But I'm going to tell you why it was not for me. At the time, I bumped up against it, but I'm grateful for it now because I was learned, I, I, was, I, ta I was taught and I learned how to portray character without constraint mm. to say, oh, this is a black version of King Lear. No, this is King Lear. This is a gay, queer version of King Lear. No, it's just King Lear. This is who this, is who this character is. So I have had the benefit of having an entire career where up until 2017, I ain't never played no queer character on, on, on camera and only twice on stage. So for me, that idea or that subconscious or that weight of, oh, you're, you're, you're gay is showing or, oh, you're, I didn't have any of that because I did this other work. It's just like people who say, oh, you can't direct and act. Oh, you can't sing and dance. You can't do it all. You got to just pick one. That's what people told me. That's what people told me leaving high school. Nico, you know, you're on this dance track, you're on this acting track, you just got to pick one because they both require too much. I get what you're saying now. You're not telling me I can't do it all. I'm going I'm to reframe that and relanguish that. I can't do it all well at the same time. Mm. So I can pick and choose which one I want to do at the time. So the time of being in this gestation period and learning how to do this, whether you starting off in reality TV and you got dreams of going over here and being Oliver Stone, live your life. 
whatever your dream is. Because for some people, their dream is literally just to be on a stage. That's it. Some people, their dream is put me in the background. Yo, you saw me drinking that water up in that scene. Oh, ah, that's me. That's all they need. I aspired higher. Tell us what we can expect from the season finale of P-Valley. Well, you see how murder murked Pico two episodes ago? If I told you what's about to happen, I would have to do that shit to you. (laughs) (laughs) Well, we don't want that, child. (laughs) We don't want that. We don't want that. No, no, no. We we definitely don't want that. Um, I think that this this season, it's been a complete ride. I call it the Olympics, the emotional Olympics. It's been a whole whirlwind. Let me ask you real quick before I tell you. When you go back to the beginning of this season... Did you imagine this would be the ride? No, not at all. It's, 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 uh, I, I, I can't even find words to describe this season and the magnificent, like, worlds that we're tapping into, the episodes where we got to learn backstory about you and the individual, you know, characters and your grandma and your mother. No. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And you being a top, like, none of that. <laughs> your character, child. See, this is, listen. <laughs> You playing in real life? Don't play yourself. Anyway. Uh, <laughs> You're so stupid. <laughs> again, again, it's about the, the, the expectations that people have or the boxes. You understand what I'm saying? Um, that in and of itself to me is about the conversation of where the characters are in their relationship. Are they willing? How willing are they to be open with one another? You understand what I'm saying? Whether the relationship is between two women, two men, a man and a woman, it doesn't matter. A them and a they. It does not matter. It's about expressing, letting these characters express how they feel for one another. And you, the audience, getting to sit with that. I feel like that the writers have done, Katori has led the writers on an amazing, amazing journey. This show, I think what really grapples people is that it's such uh, a sophisticated niche. The, st- the show has just a style and panache to it. And I don't think that you are oftentimes accustomed to seeing us taken so literally and then also seeing, wait, there's craftsmanship that's in this. You know what I mean? There are other shows out there that absolutely have it, but we all, we as an audience have to respect that. We go to Twitter. We go to social media. But the people who watch Succession, I am in DB, they go to Rotten Tomatoes. So there's a level of, oh, how do we then cross over and make our opinions and our voices known on those other platforms as well? That also helps to increase and gets more shows like this produced. And I, the, the phrase that always catches me, sometimes fairy tales are simply horror stories with happy endings. That is a line that we say in the show. Sometimes fairy tales are horror stories just with happy endings. So this episode coming up, we will see if it is a fairy tale or a horror story for you. I can talk to Nika all day. I feel like he and I were friends for years. Who would have thought that an actor of his stature, honey, would join Carlos King to give my listeners on Reality with the King not only juicy things about the season finale of P-Valley, but also some very insightful, informative dialogue just about life in general. 
Did y'all love that quote as much as I did when he said, sometimes fairy tales are horror stories with happy endings? Now, I know y'all love a good old housewife tagline, child, but that one is going to be the official (laughs) reality with the King tagline. We must invite Nico back when season three premieres in a couple of months because I just can't wait to continue not only the conversation that we have with Nico, but also our friendship. Raindrops, make sure you tune in and watch the season two finale of P-Valley tonight on Stars at 10 p.m. Thoughts? Opinions? Reads about my conversation with Nico? Email me at realitywiththeking at stitcher.com or leave me a voicemail at 310-593-8188. Thank you for listening to Reality with the King. New episodes drop every Wednesday and Friday. Share, comment, follow, and subscribe to Reality with the King wherever you get your podcast. Visit realitywiththeking.com and be sure to follow me at thecarlosking underscore on Instagram and Twitter. Reality with the King is a production of More Sauce by Stitcher. It is executive produced by me, Carlos King, and Jasmine Henley-Brown. We are also produced by Sierra Spragley-Ricks, engineering and music by Marcus Ham. More Sauce.